he can be trusted. So that means you can all relax, right? If you don't know me, you can relax. If you do know me, you know that a phrase like he can be trusted is like a red flag to a bull. I've been thinking about um, church functions and roles and strategies and primary reasons for being here, which is not me because I'm not a strategic person at all. I'm like, I'm like a billiard ball, right? And um, I'm not the white ball and I'm not the cue and I'm not the player. I'm the ball that ricochets off whatever kind of happens and then you see what pocket it goes down. But I have been thinking a little bit strategically and it's come from um, a conversation I had with um, Lee Joubert. Um, sometimes we have little conversations on the um, church kind of Facebook site or website or whatever. And um, a few weeks ago, um, not too long ago now, but we went round to 999 Golds Road, which for those who um, are new here, this is a large property that we purchased, um, just a stone's throw away from here. And um, we purchased it with the intentions of building a large church slash community centre building. And just recently we turned up to the land to celebrate because we have paid the land off and we are freehold with 99 Golds Road, which is awesome. And it's a great chunk of land. Here's a little bit here. It's a great chunk of land and we're just waiting for an amazing pile of buildings to go up on it. But it's never intended to be just a Sunday morning venue. It's intended to be a community centre with all sorts of community functions as an attempt to outreach into the wider Selwyn district. We want it to be a hub in all sorts of ways that a lot of stuff centres around it. And anyway, when we received the news that the land was freehold, we went round to 909 Gold Road and Pastor Dre had all these little plastic baggies. And if you've had a background like mine, you may wonder what's in the wee baggie, but this is just dirt, okay? These wee plastic baggies full of dirt. And um, Pastor Dre challenged us to take these away and choose a native plant, tree, seed, whatever, to plant it in, get it growing, so the day will come, maybe it's when we turn the first soil of the new building or something, I don't know, but the day will come where we will take a little established plant or seedling or whatever it is, and we will plant it on our land. So in a sense, I am planted on that land, and I will grow and develop and mature and change and go through all sorts of seasons on that land, metaphorically. So I have my bag of dirt here and it is still waiting for me to do something really creative with it. But the conversation Lee Joubert and I had on Facebook was very brief and that she raised it first and said she felt a little bit anxious when Pastor Dre gave her the dirt. It's like, oh man, this is quite a, a big deal. And I jumped on straight away because, you know, if, if you've got um, one wart, I've got two. You know, I'm that kind of a guy. Well, you think you've got a wart, I mean, you should see mine. So anyway, I jumped on and I said, me too. I felt really quite anxious because here's the dirt. Here's my responsibility. I have some ownership in this place. 
and I'm going to be responsible for putting a plant in the ground, which is my stake in the ground, of belonging and ownership, and a desire for this plant to grow and flourish and outlive me. And uh, I started getting anxious, even when Dre was talking about the little plastic baggie before he'd even handed them out to us. I'm thinking, what kind of native do I know? What kind of natives are there? What would be suitable? What can I grow? I'm okay with plants, but it hasn't always been a startling success. And do I get seeds? Do I get a sprouted little thing from somewhere? Do I go and buy something from the nursery and maybe pretend to everybody, not specifically say it, but pretend I grew it? and stuck it in there and if it grows and it develops and it matures and it gets big it's a memorial to me after I'm long gone and maybe maybe I get a plaque put on it what could I put on the plaque something like he had a lot of fun didn't he or see you in the morning or something really noble I don't know and I'm thinking about all this and it just created this anxiety and I thought man this is a lot of pressure and I realized Pastor Dre was still talking and I wasn't listening. I have no idea what he said after that, but I think it was instructions and stuff like that and what we were going to do next about walking around the land or praying. I have no clue because I was so freaking out with my little baggie. I still have my little baggie. Hands up those who've got a little baggie at home. The police won't be monitoring this, okay? And now hands up those who have already decided how and when and what they're going to put in their little baggie. Oh, Hands up those who haven't decided yet. Ah. <laughs> so anyway, here's my little baggie. So this is kind of the conversation that started me on this, this, this journey of thinking about our church because the land and the building and our presence and the planting of something in the dirt from our little baggie and eventually, hopefully, God willing, putting it in the soil as a memorial of some kind, of this is my place, this is my land, this is kind of me planted in this place and growing and hopefully bearing some fruits along the way. This is a good idea, but it's a really big deal. So that started me thinking about how many people, if I'm preaching on a Sunday morning um, like this, or even if I'm just present in the service or I'm on welcoming on the, the doors, I, I love the welcoming thing you know, because you have a brief little two-minute chat with people and welcome them in and send them on their way, and it's all care, no responsibility. And I can tell the same joke, you know, 100 times on a Sunday morning, which is awesome. But I started thinking my influence on a Sunday morning is quite negligible. It's not a lot. It's a little bit. And I thought, is that why we would be put a, bit, a building on Gold's Road, 909 Gold's Road. Nah. We would be primarily doing it because the other six days of the week especially, we want to affect the Selwyn district, the Selwyn community, and we want to have input into this whole society, this whole culture. We want people to know that we are here, not so they'll just come to our Sunday services, but they will meet us out there. And I love that that's a big part of the gospel. And if I could have the clicker, um, somebody's got the clicker. And if I could have a PowerPoint, I can start my sermon. So that was a neat introduction. Thank you for being very patient. Evangelism is something that we talk about. And it's kind of, 
it's a strange word for some and it's a word that can make some anxious and a little bit concerned in the same way that I was when I got handed my little plastic bag. But I'd like to suggest that most of the evangelism that we are involved in as individuals and as a church should be happening out there, not in here. We can invite people to church and people may get ministered to and challenged and touched and blessed and everything in a church service and that's all good. But the majority of our contacts should be out there. And evangelism for me is not saying, hey, let's just go door to door and present people with the option of the four spiritual laws and contest with the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses and everybody else. Let's get out there and do that. That's part of it. But mainly it's about let's get out into the community and let's build relationships. Let's do something that makes a difference and let's get in touch with the Selwyn district culture and find out what is going on out there, the good and the bad and the ugly, and how can we as a church mediate into those spaces? How can we as individuals be involved in evangelism in ways that starts with relationship building? Because I don't know about you, but if someone knocks on my door of my home and the first thing they will tell me is, you know, um, how to get saved, I'm thinking, you don't even know me. You don't even know my name, but you're going to tell me how you know what my eternal destiny is going to be? Come on, build a friendship and I'll listen. Um, and I think a lot of people feel like that today. So anyway, we were presented with these bags and we were told to think about the seeds that we wanted to plant. And it goes through my mind. And I thought about pumpkin seeds. Because I can grow pumpkins. I mean, all I have to do with a pumpkin is clean it out before I cook it, throw the seeds out the window. And the ones that the chooks don't eat, they just kind of grow, right? They're easy. And what I love about a pumpkin is that you plant a pumpkin seed and in about three months, you've got the end result. You've got the pumpkin. So the growth is quite quick and it's quite easy and the fruit and the results are quite evident very quickly. In three months, you're going to see fruit for your labours. So a pumpkin seed's kind of a good idea. Now, Dre said ideally a native, and I'm not sure if there's native pumpkins or whether they all imported from the islands, I don't know. But I th these are the things that go through my little anxious mind. The downside of it being a pumpkin is that in three months, that's it. It was great. It grew quickly. It's a flash in the pan, and everybody can see Wow, look at that guy, man, he planted that thing and look how fast it's growing and what he's got now. Man, he's going for it. But after the three months, what do you got now? Well, you can can it, I suppose, into pumpkin soup and put it away somewhere. But pretty much, that's its duration. Nobody is going to think about last year's pumpkin that you grew. It's done. So I thought, well, maybe I won't go pumpkin seed. And then at 999 Golds Road, there's heaps and heaps of trees have been cleared and cut and the grounds has been cleared and mowed and it's just gorgeous. Perfect for doing donuts on in the car if you're that way inclined. But uh, some people would be a bit annoyed if you did that to the grass. Uh, the cameras will be installed soon in case you're thinking about it. But one tree that was left by the, the house hub slash offices that is on the property at present was an acorn tree 
or an oak tree. And at the moment, it's dropping little acorns all over the ground. And some of my grandkids, I know, have been ferreting around and grabbing these acorns and taking them and asking, will they grow? And some of them have already got little shoots coming out of them, and so they're taking them home to plant them. I hope they're not planting them right in the middle of mum and dad's manicured lawns, but whatever. So then I started thinking, an oak tree. It starts off as this little wee acorn, and then it loses its cap, and then a wee sprout comes out, and then before you know it, away it goes. And I think, oak trees last a long time. The growth is slow, from a twig through to a magnificent tree like we have, um, and it's not the biggest, but it's a magnificent tree that we have at 999 Golds Row. It takes a long time, but it's well planted, it's rooted, and it's got a legacy of use. We can take those seeds and feed them to the pigs if the kids don't get them all first. We can use the timber for all sorts of things that you use oak for. We can use it for shade in the summer when we're roasting out there at 909 Golds Road. Or it can be a place for all the little monkeys, uh, the little children, to climb up and play in the branches, which they do. But it has a long lasting, firmly rooted, standing legacy. And so I thought, oh, that's cool. These are all the little thoughts that go through your mind, or through my mind. I've got a strange mind, okay? But from that acorn seed, who knows what is going to be produced in a hundred years? If you choose something of duration and strength and longevity to be involved in in your community, in your church, who knows in a hundred years what may be standing from that little start that you had? You don't know. I don't know. Only God knows. But what I know A part of my anxiety around the little baggie and what plant to choose, part of my anxiety was, it's all up to me. People are going to be watching me. They're going to know that's my tree. They're going to be looking at it, some with love, some with humour, some a little bit condescendingly at my tree. And the pressure is on, because if my tree doesn't grow well, or if it's not doing what it should and everything else, or if it dies what are people going to think of me and my tree my life, my ministry my dreams, my hopes what are they going to think and the pressure comes on but what I forget in my anxiety is what I do what I plant, what I want to grow, what I want to see develop and the fruit I want to get from my tree is not just up to me It's not all about me. It's actually about others. And there's a partnership that goes on between me and the conditions or the climate and God himself. There's this Trinitarian partnership that goes on in ministry or your involvement in this church or your involvement in communities or your desire to make a difference in community. It's a three-way partnership between you and your ideas and thoughts and efforts, and the conditions and the environment and the seasons and the process of time, and God himself. There's this wonderful Trinity partnership going on. When I started thinking like that, and thank you, Lee, because you you were responsible for stimulating this, she drops these little wee kind of thoughts and ideas, and I don't know what it is about her brain, 
but there's something about her brain and mine that kind of connect and I start going off on these weird little tangents and my wife goes, oh my goodness, I've got to listen to this. But thank you, good spark. And who knows? The thing that God is talking to you about, the dream you hold in your heart, your desires for this church, for your life, for your family, for this community, for the wider Selwyn district and stuff, who knows what little seed you might have and what it might produce when it's left? Because not everything dies. Not everything conks out. Not everything fails, particularly when it's a partnership with God himself and the timing, the situation, the season, and your own insights. Who knows what it'll be. Can you imagine starting a ministry or touching a person's life um, who perhaps doesn't know Christ at this stage, but can you imagine what may come from that in a hundred years? Did you know there was a 17-year-old guy who was a mate of Billy Graham when they were teenagers? Nobody knows his name. You can Google it and find it. But Billy Graham, who led millions and millions to Christ over a long and very successful ministry, he was raised in a fairly strict and particular church. He didn't want to do it by the time he was 17. But a mate of his who was a Christian said, if you come to this outreach crusade with me tonight, I'll let you drive my pickup truck. So Billy Graham says, yeah, righto, because he wanted to drive this pickup truck. They went, he got saved, the rest is history. Who's the guy who owned the pickup truck? But look at the legacy. Who could have imagined the legacy of that one little seed that was planted in community? Exciting, eh? I think. And it's good to remember that that 100-year-old tree is just a little nut who held his ground. You plant your little seed in your little baggie of soil and you nurture it and you care for it as best you can, allowing for the fact there are seasons and God on your side as well as your own planting. And you don't know what is going to be produced. The mighty oak tree is just a little nut who held his ground. He was planted, he weathered the storms, he had some help and nurture and things, but he never gave up. Who wants to plant an oak tree or a pumpkin? Now, Pastor Dre, actually, he was talking about um, natives. And some of you are probably thinking, oak trees aren't native to New Zealand. And that's all you've been thinking about for a while. Well, that's okay. I know that some of you are thinking that. And I know they're not native. But Cody are native. And there's a nice little Cody seedling. And he's kind of ticking along there. And he's growing quite well. And he's had some support while he needed support as a young fella. But someone planted him. And he's starting to grow and stand on his own and no longer need the support. Does anyone know, there's a very famous Cody tree in the North Island, and uh, I visited him and paid my respects, so was my wife. Does anyone know the name of this famous Cody tree? I see that hand, God bless you. Tane Mahuta. 
is the name of our famous Kauri tree. And Tani Mahuta has stood for a long time. Some estimates are that he could be over 2,000 years old. He was in danger a while ago from this Kauri dieback disease, but they put all sorts of things in place and protected Tane. Tane Mahuta is rumoured to be what? The, anyone? The largest? Oh, I can't hear anyone. He's rumoured by many to be the largest tree in our forest, and that's why he has this status. Tani Mahuta, incidentally, um, is about 52 metres tall, and his girth takes about 18 to 20 people holding their hands to stretch around. You're not allowed to anymore because there's a platform and you view him from this distance and you're not allowed to touch him anymore, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but it, apparently it takes um, up to 20 people, depending on the size of your arms, I suppose, to actually link hands and go around his girth, and he's about 52 metres tall. That's quite a tree. But there's a taller tree. A lot of people say, oh, isn't he the biggest tree in New Zealand? No, he's the biggest Cody tree, and it's talking about girth rather than height, but 52 metres is still pretty high. But then we have another tree called the Kahikatea. And the Kahikatea tree is pretty inconsequential when it's little, but when it grows, When it grows, it becomes the tallest tree in our forest. It's a podocarp tree. It's about 63 metres tall, if my memory serves me right. This kahikatea tree is rumoured to be the tallest tree in New Zealand. Tani Mahuta is rumoured to be the one with the biggest girth. Often we acknowledge the girth of things more than the height, right? I'm only 5'9". Sometimes you don't think you've got much. Sometimes you think your offerings and your giftings and things are quite insignificant, like just a tiny seed in a bag of dirt. You may think it won't grow, or you may think I haven't had much success before. Plant it anyway. Plant it anyway. This is a microbism. It's such a good one. I did a Google search to make sure I hadn't kind of plagiarised it from somewhere years ago and forgot it and just thought it was mine, but I couldn't find one that said exactly that. This is what God is asking us to do. Be who you are, not who you aren't. Do what you can, not what you can't. I cannot grow a hundred-year-old oak tree. I cannot grow a hundred-year-old kauri or kahikatea tree. I cannot grow a ministry that is going to last for at least 100 years and continue to impact Selwyn District. I just can't. But what I can do is I can plant something. I can birth an idea. I can put a seed in the ground. I can do my part of nurturing it and looking after it and praying for it and laying hands on my little tree and asking God to bless it and that the environment and the seasons would work in cooperation with us another holy trinity and that maybe in a hundred years time there will be something and they'll say oh there was this old geezer back in the 2020s and uh, he started this ministry or he did this thing or he spoke to this person out in the community and today we have this and this because 
you can do that. And my anxiety disappeared. Be who you are, not who you aren't. Do what you can, not what you can't. I can't do that. I can't even conceive the end result of some of the things that I do now. Good and bad. But I can do what I can do. So you can have that one for free. And if you find it on Google somewhere, I, I'm pretty sure I did make it up because I did do a Google search to make sure because if someone said exactly the same thing and they'll go, oh, that blinking guy is trying to own it and it's actually already there. If you can find it, let me know. But if my memory serves me right, I made it up. I didn't steal it. Maybe that's all I'll be known for. That's okay. What could that be in 100 years? Because there's a person in this church who's done some miraculous things with buildings and finances and projects and things like that. And he has a phrase, impossible, difficult, done. And that's kind of cool too, isn't it? Kind of fits in with this one. Matthew 20, 28. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. I didn't come to look after myself. I didn't come to just sit in a nice little church service and get blessed and sing some songs and hear a good message and have a cup of coffee and have some good fellowship. Yeah, I did that, but I didn't come for that. I didn't come to be served, but to serve. So we do a bit of serving one another in this church, and that's really cool, but I'd also suggest primarily we didn't come just to serve each other in a church on Sunday. We came to serve the community. This is an external focus, and this is actually about community outreach. And this is not necessarily door knocking or standing with placards or open air services or anything else. It's everything we can think of that could help, assist, support, and benefit, particularly the Selwyn district or further afield if that's where God leads you. And the question that I ask, and I think it's a good question to ask, is do we primarily want to be more of a come and see church or do we want to be more of a go and do church? Because we've got some good programs. I hear that applause. Thank you. <laughs> we've got some great programs in this church. Our children's church programs and our youth programs and you know the CLDP thing and the worship team and the community outreach and particularly the practical helps that people like Stefan and Leah are involved in and a number of others. You know, those kind of things are really cool. But they're not a come and see church. They're a go and do church activity. Go and do stuff. And who do you call when you've got problems with ghosts? Ghostbusters. Who do you call when you're in community and self-interested and you've really got struggles? Cornerstone. You meet people from Cornerstone, you get to know people from Cornerstone who are doing a go-and-do church rather than just to come and see how amazing we are, church. And even when the stuff hits the fan and people need support or help or advice or comfort or whatever it is, who are they going to call? Not Ghostbusters, Cornerstone. If we are a go and do church. And when I talk about a go and do church, I'm talking about go and do people, obviously. I'm talking about you guys. Are you interested in a tattoo? 
I've got a jacket on today, so if you don't know me, uh, I've got a few. I'm quite interested in tattoos. But um, I won't even go into why. But are you interested in a tattoo? I've put that there for a reason. I'm not offering free tattoos. Well, I probably could, but they wouldn't be very nice. <laughs> I look, draw like a drunken spider, even with a biro. But here, for example, say, say you open up a tattoo shop in Rolleston. And the reason I put this in is it's shock value, so you remember it, in case you're thinking, where's he going? You open up a tattoo shop in Rolleston, and you say to the community at large, we have got amazing artists. We've got a great childcare facility, so if you want to get inked up while your kid's being looked after, we run a program for the kids so that when you're getting a full back tattoo, which is going to take six hours, we will look after your kids. We've got a catering service. We offer great biscuits and cups of coffee. And the music that we have playing is absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And we've set up a shop just down the road from your house. Isn't that a good sell? But it's only a good sell if you're interested in getting a tattoo. If you're not interested in getting a tattoo, it could have the best kids program in the world, it could have the best aftercare in the world, it could have the best music and the best coffees and the best prices and the best artists, but unless you're interested in a tattoo, it's pointless, right? Pointless. And I'd like to suggest as a church, this is us. We have a great music team and we have great kids programs and we've got great friendly people and people are greeted and looked after here. New people are acknowledged at the front desk and given a little take-home pack, etc. We have great friendly smiley greeters. We have great coffee. We have great snacks afterwards. We've got great programs and great music and, and on and on it goes. But... If what we offer here on a Sunday does not touch you in some area that you're actually interested in, it's irrelevant. And people will not come or they will not stay. However, everybody out in the community has stuff. Things they're vitally interested in, things they're fascinated by, things they've got questions about, difficulties that they can't overcome, fences they can't build by themselves, children that they don't know what to do with, marital issues and health issues and finance issues and cultural issues and integration issues and you name it. There's stuff out there if we were go and do. And that's the points of connection where maybe coming along to the Sunday service and all of the wonderful things we offer as a group, maybe they will be blessings and attractant values for some, but for a lot of people, our first point of connection is not this. This is where we bring people to be encouraged and refreshed and supported and have things explained and things worked out and relationships built for ongoing kind of stuff and maybe a little bit of teaching on the side when you've got Pastor Dre preaching instead of me. But this is kind of the icing on the cake, where the rubber hits the road and where the nitty-gritty stuff happens in people's lives and the things they are interested in is when I go out and meet people, when I go out and do community stuff and I talk to them and I find out, where do you itch? 
What is your interest? What is your need? What is your passion? What is your lack? Because Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And the only way he could serve effectively is for Jesus to figure out what is going on in people's lives and what is the spoken or unspoken needs in this person's life. That would not happen in the synagogue. You wouldn't find that out. And you won't find a lot of that out here either. Does that make sense? All of this come from this little thing. See what, it, see what you know, Lee just made this wee comment about feeling a little bit anxious about her baggie, and so did I, and then this whole thing just these random synapses or synopses or whatever they are in my brain just start firing off and I start joining up all these dots where my wife says, I can't even see the dots, but here we are. Matthew 9 verses 16 and 17. No one sews a patch of untrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch will pull away from the garment. So if I've got an old pair of denim jeans that I've worn for 20 years because I'm a biker and you don't want to throw them away and I fall off my bike and I get a big hole in the butt and I get a new pair of denim jeans and ask my wife to sew, sew a patch onto it, if they're new jeans, it's going to shrink if I ever wash them and it's going to pull away and destroy and make the, the tear worse. Also, neither do men or women pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Why? Because if you put new wine into an old wineskin and it ferments and it needs to expand and stretch, the old wineskin doesn't do that. All those who are over 65 years of age, you understand what I mean. We don't stretch the same anymore. You don't do that. You need to put new wine in a new wineskin. This is often talking about ideas. And it's about plantings. And it's about seedlings. And it's about reaching out into community and meeting or finding the needs and looking at meeting the needs. They are changing all the time. And there's so many different kinds of needs and a vast variety out there that as a church, we need to be flexible. We need to be contacting and reaching and building relationships with people and recognising that what worked for Lyndon's generation or my generation or Warren's generation, oh, there's not many Warren's generation, but what worked for them may not work for my children's generation. It may be the same kind of issues, but it will have to be dealt with differently. And quite frankly, some of the things that we could have sorted out in an altar call in church 30 years ago, people won't even come to church now, let alone respond to an altar call about those things. But it still needs to be part of our process. The Sermon on the Mount, wow, what a mouthful that is. But this portion here in Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16 and I've just highlighted these because it just hammered home to me. You, and that's the universal you and me, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the Selwyn district. In the same way, let your light shine, your ideas shine, 
you have attempted at relationship building and friendship and projects and organisations and roles, let your light shine before others. Others is everybody in the Selwyn district. There's others here, but there's a lot more others out there. Let your light shine before others. Let them see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Plant your seed. Decide with God's help and in discussion and conversation. Plant your seed. Decide what your seed is. Decide what it is that God is saying to you about planting your seed. Thank you, Hannah. Decide for yourself what is it that you think God wants to help you grow. You may not see the end from the beginning. If I plant a seed and it begins to grow into a native tree, I will probably have popped my clogs long before it's big enough to even birds to put a nest in its branches or kids to climb it. That's okay. I want in a hundred years' time, if the Lord tarries and if this world is still kind of ticking along, I want people to say, oh, man, that's an amazing tree, eh? wonder who that old fellow Mike Robb was that planted it. It looks like his family put a memorial plaque down the bottom. Gee, I bet he was a crusty old fella. Plant your seed. Hold your ground. What is God asking you to do? How is God challenging you to reach out and to be effective? Maybe some of these people you minister to and serve, maybe they'll join our church. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll get converted into an ongoing relationship with Christ. Maybe they won't. Not my problem. My role is to plant the seeds, nurture them as best I can, work with the seasons as best I understand them, and to recognise that God is the author. God is the perfecter of my faith and of everybody else's. Plant your seed. Hold your ground. Plant your seed. Hold your ground. God bless you.